We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to episode 171 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. I'm Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director, and a producer. And I'm Robbie McCain, writer, producer, director. In no particular order. Coming to you live from our homes. <laughs> Coming to you live from our homes. And we're delighted to tell you today's episode is with the fantastic Ross Boyask, director, producer, sales agent, who tells us about action filmmaking, can online, which he attended, fight scenes, and making a franchise, and his brand new feature film, which is out on July the 13th, I Am Vengeance, Retaliation. All that to come. We're all stuck indoors, but... Thank God we've got the next Make Your Film event coming up on July Woo! the 9th. That's what we like to yes, hear. Yes, we have. That's this Thursday. You probably heard the little advert at the beginning that stuck on the top of every uh, podcast. Yeah, and we've got some amazing guests this time. We've got like BAFTA winning guests. We've got Netflix showrunners. You know, we've got Hollywood movie producers. These are the people that you can ask questions to, hear their stories, their war stories. And uh, yeah, ask them your queries. Ask them your queries. Where's the best place to get toilet roll from? (laughs) (laughs) It's basically like an online film school where you can come show up. It is basically an online film school. Make Your Film event is brilliant. The live one where we can all be face to face hopefully fingers crossed we'll be back doing that soon but for now it's online this Thursday see you there it's going to be great it's going to be so much fun and what else more importantly Giles what's coming up what What? is there something from the mists of the lady of the lake Camelot (laughs) I'm seeing ancient knights is it Arthur and Merlin when's this coming out it's coming out this month my god it's literally coming out next week uh it is july the 13th uh, and it's uh, unbelievable i'm buzzing the press is happening the talk is happening we're doing a cast and crew screening slash premiere next monday as well which is insane at the genesis cinema in east london i cannot wait to show the world this movie everyone worked so hard on it it was blood sweat and tears literally in some cases and it rained every day i'm sure i haven't told you that before i don't think we have um no not heard that no i've not said it rained every day no i don't think i've heard that no no Uh, no guess what robbie guess what it rained every day (laughs) thank you giles (laughs) now you you know and uh next week we're gonna have a great 
big Arthur Merlin extravaganza on the pod, aren't you? Yes, we are. I've got cast and crew uh, all coming in to chuck their two penneths in on the podcast. So I'm doing a big King Arthur, Arthur and Merlin Knights Camelot special, um, where I'm getting Richard Brake, Richard Shaw, all my knights, uh, all some of the amazing crew that worked on the movie. So that will be with you next week. How cool is that? Amazing. And what's um, and all. Yeah. How to make a movie. This one with Ross, it was a bit of a long one. It's a really good interview, but a little bit long. So we're going to have the shout outs this week at the end to all the new filmmakers and new productions that are happening. So if you want to stay tuned for that, that would be great. Support those projects for people. Totally agree. It's so important to support each other. Right. Shall we get to it? This week's episode with myself, Robbie McKay and the wonderful Ross Boyask. Enjoy. Uh, it is an absolute delight to welcome back returning hero Ross Boyask. How are you doing, sir? Returning hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been on the podcast, episode 14. You are a returning hero, sir. You're I'm still making movies. <laughs> I'm certainly returning. No, thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it's um, quarantine and COVID and all of that aside. I don't know how much we're going to touch on that. I guess you'll ask me about the film about that, but yes. Yeah, yes, we will. Obviously, we'll get on to um, I Am Vengeance Retaliation very, very soon. Um, but I suppose, yeah, while you touched on COVID there, obviously, um, Cannes has just happened, virtual Cannes. It's literally just finished. How has that been for evolutionary films? How has that, because that's the first time you've done something like that online. We weren't on the corset wandering around with a croissant in our hands, no. um, getting free wine here and there, <laughs> running into people we know. Now you did it online. Tell us that from your experience, from your side as a film company who sat through, our, I imagine, tons and tons of Zoom meetings. Well, I will say I missed missed my beignets and I missed uh, pizza at Lavion. Okay. My yes. <laughs> I will say that right now. Yeah. Uh, no, Evolutionary, it's been, we, we did attend the virtual can and we screened some of our films. Uh, John Adams and Diane Shorthouse, uh, CEO and uh, MD, uh, respectively, and also the producers of the film. Uh, yeah. They had their somewhat regular meetings with buyers. Uh, so in many ways, it was business as usual, except just as a, a Zoom calls and so forth, uh, yep. which is obviously great. It's, it's nice to have that scheduled. Um, and, you know, business was done, which is fantastic. Uh, as a sales agent, hoping to play its trade. That was really cool. Um, I didn't attend any of the, uh, like the seminar type things. I find watching a seminar online, personally, I'd rather be in the room. That's okay. my purpose. Really. Uh, and of course, it's a shame to miss out on the networking side of things, hanging out of the ground and paying 16 euros for a Coke or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, surreal, surreal. <laughs> it's a real, my bank manager's you miss me. It. Yeah, you miss it yeah. so much. <laughs> and are you, and then Ross, do you normally um, look around the Marche de film when you're when you're there at the same time? Or? Yes, my primary function at Evolutionary Films, as well as actually making films with the guys, is uh, I'm creative director, so I'm in charge of things like acquisitions. Uh, obviously, people send the team variously titles to have a look at or or to consider as projects, uh, but in the end, I, I tend to be the first port of call in terms of assessing a project or watching a screener and so forth. Um, so it's a little bit of a shame not to be able to sort of do that in person. You know, you, you get sent them through the year regardless. Uh, but there is something nice about meeting the people in, in person, particularly as we're filmmakers ourselves. So it's nice to be able to relate to the people bringing along titles, you know, hoping to find a home for them. Maybe on a side note, just because I've been doing Cannes since 1999, this is only the second time 
that I haven't essentially personally attended. Wow, that's yeah, incredible! And wow. I look at the line, look at the lines on my lines. Forehead. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, if so, you cut, if we cut you, you'll bleed. Can you know what I mean? The bleach, sand, yeah, bleed, bleed rosé, um, oysters. So, <laughs> so I, I think overall for the market, it's good that there was some activity. Let's be honest. You know, I think that that's a positive thing. I think that should be taken. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I would just miss the personal side of it. And again, maybe that's just me. Some people, some people may well genuinely prefer to be at home, do their mm-hmm. calls, carry on. Yeah, we're normally based in the Riviera booth F fourteen. We we always tell people yes. think of the fight, think of the fighter jet. Yes, you know. perfect. And yeah. you, then is it is it <laughs> does it make soon. sense? <laughs> it is. Does it make sense to have the same booth every time so people know where you are exactly? Con- continuity again, fairly obvious. Continuity is good. Regularity is good. Uh, we like the booth. You know, you get a lot of foot traffic. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. It's always good yeah. to have that uh, for all the appointments that you can schedule. It's always good to have people popping in and walking by and, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, that's always a, a positive thing. I think. Brilliant. And of course, good. For, for listeners who aren't aware of this, like various film festivals around the world um they have the sort of screening component and the review component which is what's more famous but the real kind of heart of these uh these events is the actual film market component and the, all of the buying and selling that goes on and you know different thousands thousands of movies competing uh for acquisition um and navigating that is uh is kind of one of the you know the lessons that you have to to learn um as, a, as an indie filmmaker if you want to go out there and, and sell your film I mean, for us, for us on that on that point, we're obviously a production company as well as a sales agent and a UK distributor. Mm. So we tend to look at it from a you know, we we have to look at the market from different angles. Whether it's acquiring new titles, whether it's obviously trying to sell our current titles, uh, yeah. as well as well as the titles we ourselves have produced. So there are different, uh, if you like, avenues that we have to explore. We have to be fairly diligent in that because, of course, you know, we want our films to do well, but of course, we also want the films that we've acquired from other filmmakers, you know, who we have relationships with to do well as well so it's about serving the buyers you know the relationship sorry serving the relationships we have with buyers uh mm-hmm. accordingly you know uh and positioning everything that we have in, in the same fashion you know to make sure that we give uh, every title the best shot it has uh and to try and you know supply buyers with the content that they need Mm. how does it feel selling your own titles i know we touched on this before because you were on episode 14 like i say so you can go listen to that ross goes into detail with john adams about evolutionary film and his journey as well but what and and i know we touched on it then but this is you know you've you've moved on as well since then vengeance came out and then i am vengeance retaliation now as well what does that feel like when you're presenting it to a buyer and it's your film does john kind of do yours and you do john's so that you don't get that oh this is crap we don't want this one this looks terrible uh, and then they see the tears in your eyes well it's funny that you mention that because if we're honest and mm. being very objective the last thing that a sales company probably wants when meeting a buyer is for the filmmaker to be there but the, the first few years i went to Cannes as a budding, well, I was making shorts and so forth, you know, and and hoping to get into the features side of things. Hmm. Um, And I had friends who were making features, so that helped, you know, but, but um, the first thing that I noticed, I just wanted to watch as many films as possible as a film fan, uh, primarily genre films, but I pretty much watch anything I could get into, particularly in those first couple of years when you just don't know anyone, you don't even know Hmm. how to run it or or what, how do you blag things and so forth, right? Um, You know, so for me at that point, we, I and my friends, we'd go and watch a movie. It'd be a, a goofy action movie or whatever, you know, where I live. <laughs> um, and we would watch people coming in. 
and they'd stay for about 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, and then they'd go. And they would literally be ticking a, uh, a clipboard. Like, tick, tick, tick. Dare I say, guns, nudity, kung fu, swearing, Mickey Rourke, whatever. Whatever, the, <laughs> whoever was whatever, yelling at the time. Whatever, yeah. Chris, like, oh, Chris, 14 Chris. instances of Mickey Rourke. That's, uh, right. yeah, that's, gonna <laughs> that's a bonus. Well, this one's going Well, in, in, in a 10-minute period. Because, of course, all of these other films are showing at the same time. So they would literally dive into a film for 10, 15 minutes. They would then dive out, you know, probably into the next door uh, palais room or whichever one they've got to go to. And move on. Some would stay a bit longer. And sometimes I think that was a testament to the film itself, or perhaps they, you know, perhaps they had a, a different allocation of time that they were allowed to do, or whatever. Maybe they had a specific interest in the film. That that obviously changes things a little bit. Um, but when I first, you know, was attending that, I know that a lot of the films that I love are kind of flawed and silly and whatever you want to call it. Uh, but they, they tend to be very commercial. Um, but we call those low it, budget, Ross. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. To a to a certainly, in, certainly, <laughs> certainly indie. But but regardless, yeah. I thought it just meant initially that people didn't like what they saw. Mm. They were like, and, and walked out because of course you can. But of course, what it actually is 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 them having a certain amount of time. There are so many films showing at the same time. Sometimes you know, fifteen, twenty, if not more, films showing in the same two hour block give or mm. take they've got to get around and get to the movies that they've got on their checklist if you like their watch yeah. list and if it's um, not for them if it doesn't right. fit into their box right. if it's not action yes. or if it's not drama whatever yeah. they're selling right it's they yeah. might as well leave and go see something else yeah i mean absolutely and and therefore the process can seem somewhat mechanical and in many ways as a sales agent our advice to people if, if we're able to get on board early with a project you know you want to kind of as much as you want creativity in a you know in a production of a film to be original and you know dare i say the filmmakers to express their voices you also want to make sure that the film does have an audience and that audience is initially the distributor so dare i say it formula works you know it's about finding the formula and dare i say doing the right thing with the formula um, and making your film as commercial as possible if you want to make another film so what would your advice be for someone i guess who's a filmmaker who's who's bringing their film into that world how do you kind of juggle that uh mindset between the sort of sales side of it being aware that there's a market and you you know it needs to sell and sort of still maintaining that kind of creative vision for making sure that that sort of doesn't get compromised too much to an extent well, well, obviously speaking as dare I say the sales agent side of it, because in the and, and a distributor, in fact, it's important to understand who your film is for. It it, it genuinely surprises me, and I've been to a number of festivals, you know, all, all different sorts of festivals where you see films that are in progress and so forth and so forth. Some people have spent, you know, a few hundred thousand pounds sometimes, and they've made a film, and I always ask, who's it for? And when a filmmaker says, "What do you mean?" you tend to go, "Oh." Uh, <laughs> you, you you don't know who your film is for whoa okay now obviously there is drama and comedy and so forth and those are those tend to be fairly poison words in in an independent market it's very very difficult to sell those without cast without sounding too mechanical here um but it's important to but even if you do that if you're making a drama or or a, or a comedy or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. you need to know who it's for who what other films are out there that are a bit like what you've done? Who are they aimed at and so forth? Does your film match up to, dare I say, genre expectations and so forth? Do what you want with the genre after, you know, within that, but does it does it stack up? Is a buyer in the first 10 minutes, go, first of all, going to understand what it is? Does the film know what it is? And secondly, is it demonstrating that? You know, it may sound a bit mechanical. If you're doing an action film and you haven't had an action sequence in your first 10 minutes, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's so important. And I suppose the trailer is everything as well, because you're essentially, you know, you put all the good stuff into the trailer as much as, you know, our friends and family are going, yeah, but it, it gives it all away. You've got all this in the trailer. It's about selling the movie. I mean, obviously, the two main pe- the two main tools you have for, to sell your film are your trailer and your artwork. Um, yeah. Get Make sure you get high, this is all very obvious, but, you know, get high quality stills, do a good piece of artwork. Uh, with a trailer, j- just on this point, there tends to be two different types of trailers. We cut what you would call essentially a buyer trailer, which mm-hmm. is essentially the film in three minutes, the entire film in three minutes as far as possible. Yep. Um, your audience trailer will obviously, and obviously those buyer trailers do not go public generally. No. You don't, you yeah. don't show them to anybody. And then, of course, you have an audience trailer. You know, mm-hmm. it's, they're, they're two very yeah. different things. Totally. I, I love what you said about the artwork and taking photos. And it's something that independent filmmakers miss out on and forget so much. And we understand. We've been in the trenches. We've all Robbie done it. We've all done it. I haven't got time to get a photo. But you know that if you got that photo, it would be on the posters. It would be on all this sort of artwork and press and bits and pieces. And you have to do it because that's what sells your movie. So if you've got Make no... Make time. Schedule a day if you can yeah. or schedule an hour or whatever it is yeah. with your cast or whatever it is. But what I like to do is to get um, my photographer in while i'm doing the the last sort of camera technical rehearsal get in now because you can snap your shutter away and it won't annoy anyone get close whatever we need let's do this do this or if the camera's just having a little setup doing something else or reloading in the old days or you know changing battery bang get in get some photos actors are still in the same moment when you're selling i am vengeance did you sort of have any moments where you thought back to when you were going out there to sell vengeance was there anything that you thought like right i learned that on that experience and i'm gonna keep that in mind when i'm talking to the talking to buyers and it's it's interesting because what happened was i mean john and diane would probably be, be able to slightly be more informative on this than myself but what seemed to happen was when we delivered the first film which was variously known as vengeance and i am vengeance uh, i am vengeance basically came about the, the title came out because of our north american distributors saban films and Lionsgate. essentially title changed it and a lot of territories will change the title of your film japan it's a completely different title for example yes yeah. yeah um but but what came about when we, we essentially sold it and delivered it to our buyers uh, variously, which was great. A bunch of them, as we delivered, were saying, doing a sequel. <laughs> like that. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay. I'm um, the to put in. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Did, 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 they, they didn't quite go to that point. But right. what are you doing? A sequel? And we were like, okay. Uh, and then, so, so it wasn't so much that we tweaked for the sales side of it except for well i suppose except for uh it, the sequel is very different to the first film there's a there's similarities and obviously there's two characters that return from the first movie but it's a different kind of movie in terms of the genre even though it's act, they're both action uh but the second film was much more of an action chase movie whereas the first one's a revenge thriller um part of the i guess part of what changed it was um uh, having uh, well, a household name like Vinnie Jones, uh, right. this this changes things dramatically in terms of we had we had a slightly increased budget, which was great. There's a lot more right. action. We kind of went bigger and better, if one of the better word of saying that. Sure. Uh, and so those improved production values and the household name do make a difference in your sales. It, it wasn't so much that we adjusted how we sold it, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, it was it was more about catering the product, if you like, uh, to a higher level. Got yeah. Uh, yeah yeah, which 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 does make sense. And uh, suddenly you've got Vinnie Jones, and it does like you say 
now you can go to all those like say pre-sell it if you like and say well we've got him would you buy it if 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 uh, is that how you did it or did you did you get pre-sales for for um vengeance retaliation for the sequel if you like um yeah i mean i think i think that there would have to be a fairly specific definition of pre-sales in that we kept our buyers informed through the whole process right okay. so rather, rather than say we had pre-sales again maybe this is better answered by john and diane so i don't want to misspeak um sure. but but in the end because we have good relationships with our buyers they took the first movie there were some territories uh, germany for example took i am vengeance for first movie on the basis of the second movie it doesn't always necessarily excite every filmmaker but i come from like I became a filmmaker because of films like that. Totally. Yeah, it's yeah, Chuck so, Norris, yeah. the old Chuck Norris films. I know you loved uh, like Revenge of the Ninja, isn't it? The One of your favourite yeah. films. And, and, and Commando, you mentioned as well. Commando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you can yeah. definitely see that in the in the Vengeance films, right down to the one-liners. <laughs> and the- Yeah, totally. It's very funny. I Am Vengeance Retaliation is really funny, as well Thank as you. brilliant action and a really cool sort of action film in itself. It's Thank really you. funny. And that draws you in with the characters and makes you really like them, right? And Thank you're you. using yeah. Vinnie Jones as kind of um, not not only his perception as like a hard man, but also he does have a sort of comedy um, side to him as well, which has been which you've seen in you know some of his work. So yeah, it was really cool to see draw on that as well. Yeah. Oh, do you want to before we dive into it? Do you want to just pitch the story so then we'll play the trailer and then we can talk about it? Just to be clear, people who haven't seen the first Vengeance film don't need to have seen it to watch I Am Vengeance Retaliation. It, it helps in that, you know, you meet Stu's character, John Gold. Uh, Mark Griffin returns as his former handler, Frost, but he, he's almost completely different in appearance. Um, but you don't you don't need to have seen it. Obviously, if you want to watch it, please do. Stu Bennett plays John Gold, who is a, an ex-Special Forces soldier, uh, kind of gone off the grid. He's now essentially a, a soldier for hire. And he's told that the guy who betrayed his team many years ago, which is what caused him to go off grid, who kind of, this this guy kind of like betrayed his own team and you know some of them got killed and all of that, uh, played by Vinnie Jones, his name's Sean Teague. Uh, he, they, they thought he was dead. They were wrong. He's resurfaced and Gold is given the opportunity to bring him in. Um, Gold would cheerfully see Teague dead, uh, but... You know, he's convinced to do the right thing. If he brings in Teague, the slate is wiped clean. You know, he gets to have his life back, that kind of thing. Uh, He agrees, and then everything goes horribly wrong. That's John Gold. Wonder how many people he's killed this week. Five. So far. I'm putting a team together, and I want you to lead it. Our target, Sean Teague. His intel and contacts alone are enough to bring down the baddest of the bad. I know what he did to you and your team, but we need Teague breathing. You want me to bring Teague in alive? Steady! Teague. So I live and breathe, John Gold. You're coming with me. Yeah, of course I am. Lads! You're a traitor. You're a murderer. I know where were you. Sound like the wrong voice. You're the jungle. Yep. Why don't you just come show us how tough you really are? Right then. You kill those guys. I'm gonna go after Teague. Just like old times. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
I can't get rid of you. I'm gonna tear you limb from limb. Come on! Um, that was the trailer. It's so much fun. And the poster itself is just wonderful. It's a really brilliant poster. Really cool. It sells the movie. And, and I'd suggest any filmmakers out there, if they're thinking about posters, to and really, you really should, and even at this stage, look at that poster. It says exactly what it does. It's got girls, it's got guns, it's got Vinnie Jones, and it's got Stu Bennett on it, and it's cool. It's like, that looks high-end, it looks brilliant. And if you're an action fan, you're going to want to watch that movie. And if you're an action fan anyway, I suggest go watching this movie. It's so much fun and cool and brilliantly well shot. And I imagine you didn't have much time to shoot it. Do you want to talk us through (laughs) this uh, process of of making a sequel with a tiny bit more money and how how that works for you in terms of, shit, I've got to get it bigger and better now. Yeah, I mean, two of the main goals behind making a sequel were, like you say, bigger and better, forward for better way of saying it, particularly in terms of action, uh, and also uh, allowing Gold's character to open up a bit. We want him to warm up a bit. I mean, he has some funny moments in the first movie. He's obviously the good guy, but he's kind of an anti-hero, so he's like a mm. killing, killing machine, essentially. Um, and we figured the way to... The way to warm up gold is to have him bounce off more characters. Hence, you get the idea of a team movie. Slightly expendables, like, but also I go back to the Dirty Dozen and all of those, you know, all of those classic yeah. movies. I love all of that stuff. Uh, I, I mean, even the A Team, <laughs> to be honest, because uh, you know, I just like the banter and all of that stuff. So, so the idea was to get gold to open up essentially by bouncing off. Uh, there's a double act in the movie: uh, Lynch and Shapiro, played by Phoebe Robertson, Galvin, and Sam and uh, Sam Benjamin, who mm-hmm. are essentially the comedy double act of the movie, uh, and uh, as well as being very competent soldiers, that was important. Um, but sort of by going through the film with them and as well as the other characters gold kind of warms up a bit and you know and so forth so he becomes less taciturn he's he's initially very concerned about having another team because it all went wrong the last time that happened so there was all of that for him to come but but also um with Stu, uh, it was really important that his character opens up somewhat with Vinny. Uh, you never find out too much about them, but they have, uh, an, I mean, Vinny's in a lot of the movie with Stu anyway. They have a big yeah. fight in the middle in an alleyway where a lot of their stuff comes out without being too specific. When we get down to shooting this, it obviously helps to have a great DOP like uh, like Simon. Yeah, uh, because this is the first time he's Simon worked Allen. with Simon, right? Second time. Second time, second time. okay. He, um, in fact, Vengeance was his first feature, if I recall correctly, a cinematographer. Uh, and then, wow. Yeah, came back. And we've, we've done a short since as well. And he's I love working with him. The uh, cinematography yeah. was fantastic. It looked beautiful. really enhanced sort of what, you know, th- th- sometimes it was just rooms or whatever. And actually looked yeah. fantastic. You know, you yeah. really move how you move the camera, the two of you, how you set it up, the lighting, the look, everything on people's face. It, was, it looks high end. It looks really quality. And Thank that's... You testament to both of you it's a full credit i mean simon's amazing like you know he and his team they push so hard to deliver uh, in terms of style in terms of storytelling which is really important you know the frame tells the story as much as anything else so there's a lot going on he's he's super energetic you know very dynamic you know sometimes we rub a little bit but i like that anyway i'm sure he won't say that the wrong way we, we have our little moments but i like that like i think i think that that actually helps us push hard you know in terms okay. of delivering um mm. and i love working with him i'd go you know, full full respect what, what do you think a uh a good 
example of working with a DP is what what really do you think that you've learned during your time and you've made you know loads of movies now what do you think is a really good collaboration to have with someone like your DP who is technically the closest person to you on a movie set yeah anyway? absolutely like I mean we have I think we have like a brother type relationship you do uh, yeah yeah um, and uh, not that I've ever had a brother but I feel like Simon I know is what you mean no I know what you mean no, I'm saying, uh, yeah. and um and yeah, no, I think that's super important. And I, uh, so I don't, in terms of what you're actually looking for as an answer, I mean, for me, it's about communication, I guess, yep. uh, and about us preparing as much as is possible. We never had very much prep time. We had a bit more prep time than on first film. But, but so it was about really pushing across what we're both looking for. Like, I want him to get out of it as much as, as possible too. Like, as much as he's delivering for us, and dare I say me as a director, you know, mm-hmm. he has so many ideas. He, you know, he, has, he delivers a great lookbook initially. We talk about that. We talk about influences, um, you know, in terms of the sort of thing I'm going for as well. Uh, but at the same time, what's really important is the ability to think on the spot. You can shot list all you like. You know, you can do any sort of prep you want. And then you turn around and go, you've only got 40 minutes to finish this. Regardless of, you know, you suddenly go, okay, so that's like three setups. We have two cameras. What can we do to, you sometimes just have to do that. Mm-hmm. You just sometimes have to do that. Yes. And in terms of uh, logistics, like how how big roughly is like the camera crew? How how quickly are you able to move? How much like equipment try do you to, have? Try, a lot of it. We know someone really came loaded for bear. An amazing gaffer as well, Damien. Damien Gray, if I remember correctly. Uh, amazing gaffer. Uh, young and really up for it. Um, we had two cameras running pretty much the whole time. Uh, we had a couple of other cameras here and there, like a couple of GoPros occasionally and things like that. But primarily two cameras running the whole time. We had some amazing operators. Uh, like yeah, Matt, that's Matt incredible. Yeah, two cameras. Yeah, that's kind of a luxury. Uh, yeah. although, although we did lose, unfortunately, B camera on the last day, which was absolutely upsetting because we had a lot to do that day. It died immediately. It was no one's fault. Died. Right. And we were like, oh my goodness. So stuff happens and you have to think on your feet. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And you're using um, like any big lighting setups or is it all kind of like mostly using natural light and sort of stuff that's on the location? There was a lot of exterior. It, it was really strange that when I look back at the fact we shot end of September to end of October, we had a lot of exterior shooting way more than I recall. I know it sounds weird being the writer, but yeah, I sort of like, there's a lot of exteriors in the movie. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know how we, I don't know how we got away with it. And, and except there was one day, just one day. If you look at how consistent the light, the natural light is, obviously mm-hmm. some is bouncing things and doing all sorts of other stuff as well. But, but, but um, there is one day, well, there's a scene when I, when the guys steal a car, they kind of break into a car. That was the one day where it was kind of cloudy and grey. But because it was all set in that one area, it didn't seem to matter. We kind of obviously tried to balance it in post a bit. That was the one day where it was like, oh, what are we going to do? Because in theory, it's all, you know, it's all supposed to be this kind of like consistent weather. Mm. But we, we did seem to get away with it, which is nice. Do you plan your action shots meticulously about where the camera's going to go, you and Simon? And you've got two cameras, so you thinking about that because it's difficult well, to light and it's no it's stuff. more it was okay so in terms of the action i mean there are 19 fights in vengeance well sorry i'll start again there are 19 fight sequences in i am vengeance retaliation plus some shootouts plus some car stuff and explosions I mean, it's, and things it, it, it's, it's great a bit ridiculous yeah. but yes yeah, so, yes so so someone we should well someone we should mention here specifically is tim mann Yes, an extraordinary. Oh, he's an extraordinary fight coordinator, like choreographer. Wow. I've worked with obviously Scott Adkins a lot of times, uh, and yeah. so many other people. Um, 
amazing person to work with, very creative, very collaborative. Um, and again, although we didn't have a lot of time previous to shooting, uh, he prevised a significant number of these fights. So he got together with his own team, shot them on whatever he shot them on, like a phone or whatever, whatever he did, and then cut them together. And again, he couldn't do it for every fight, uh, but he did most of them. Uh, because most of the fights are fairly, you know, truncated sequences. It's all about moving the story forward. And one of the things that was great about Tim was, first of all, he understands that the action comes from character. Uh, and to put this simply, because to me, a fight scene is like a conversation. It's like an argument taken to extreme physical levels, if you like. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a fight scene should have story points just like any other scene, really. Um, and of course, you're going to have moments that are just for the heck of it, like, a you know, an amazing kick or, you know, uh, someone being thrown through a brick wall or whatever, whatever it is. Oh, why not? Why yeah, would you yeah. not do that? You're going yeah. to have those moments, but primarily it should be about story uh, and fighting should come from a character. Fighting should be like their dialogue, right? So um, so if Stu, playing John Gold, uh, gets attacked by 10 different people, in theory, those 10 different people should attack different ways, depending on their training and their experience and their personality. Even if they're cannon fodder guys, they should mm. sort of have their own attack. And then, of course, in response, he would respond different to different ways to that, whether he takes a hit or throws a guy. Or, yeah. And again, the opportunities are endless, if you like. Um, so that that was really important to me in terms of, uh, if you like, how the characters interact and how a fight scene should move the story forward or propel the story forward, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, Tim is very savvy to that, which is great. Uh, obviously, the performers themselves bring their own flavour and their own, if you like, well, their character. Uh, Katrina yeah. Durden, Phoebe Robinson-Galvin, these, these women were amazing, amazing. to work with. Amazing. Just, um, oh it's great goodness. to work with, too. Oh, oh, it was great to watch. Oh, I'm glad. I'm really happy to hear that. I mean, they were phenomenal and obviously super different to Stu. Like, 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 it couldn't, couldn't be more different. We obviously have Jean-Paul Lee as well, who is incredible. I love that oh he was goodness. in this movie. Yeah, it's I'm just such a, such a great fight. And so I'm such a fan. It? I'm such a fan of his. Uh, you've got Greg Burridge, who's an amazing wrestler as well, and again, mm -hmm. screen fighter. So all of these different people kind of getting, you know, mixing up. Uh, uh, Bentley Kalu as Renner as well, a very cocky yeah. American guy. and Totally Joe Egan, who's Joe also Egan. in... I love Arthur and Merlin as oh, well. Oh, yes. I love yeah. Joe so much. So you, you're scheduling it, you're planning it, um, you've got your brilliant uh, Tim Mann uh, yes. choreographing it and pre-vising it. So then when you come to shoot it is, and you've rehearsed it, is it a little bit easier now you're in these amazing locations that you had, by the way, to to then go, right, now let's add to it, let's jump through this, this is going to fall down, you're going to go through here, right. and how so, are we going to shoot it? That's a good point. So Tim grabbed the cast where he could. Like, obviously, there weren't a lot of gaps, but he would grab costs where he could to rehearse them. There were a few bits, as I recall, where they pretty much didn't have a chance to rehearse. We just did it on the spot, essentially. But everyone is super experienced, you know, from Katrina, Phoebe. Every, I mean, they're all, for the most part, the cast are very experienced in picking up choreo. And they know how to take the hits, which is super. You don't want anyone to get hurt. No. But in terms of just the, the attitude of doing it and keeping going... And, and obviously telling us if there's an issue, that's really important too. Don't just be a hero. Like if you mm -hmm. hurt yourself, tell us, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, but so they were really, really great. Tim would, yeah, take them aside where he could. I got to see a little bit of him working. I wish I'd seen more because they're just, I'd love, I loved seeing him working with the actors, with the performers. Mm. So they, they would do that. Then of course we would come to set. We, we would have a breakdown. Tim would primarily take over in terms of working with Simon and the camera guy. I was there and I would absolutely give my two pence and we would all be happy. You know, if I had a real mm -hmm. concern, I would express it, but let him and, and let him get on with it. 
there, there's no time for you know mucking about dare i say like you know if i had an opinion i would obviously express it if i didn't understand or if i didn't like something i would certainly say so um but it was so smooth as a process. Simon and, and again, the, the other camera guys would just be very attentive. They, they could see the previs where it existed as well. So that obviously helped to let them know. Obviously our first AD, Marius, had to know that too. So we knew how many setups yeah. we were going to do. Having the two cameras helped for the most part. Sometimes you would just concentrate on one camera for speed, you know. Okay. Because uh, sometimes it's a false economy. Sorry, sometimes it's a false economy having two yes, cameras. Yes, with two cameras can, because can you, be. you've lit one way and then suddenly you go, ah, oh, now you've got, oh, yeah. and then to cheat yeah. the body around and it's yeah you yes. like say false economy yeah. but we would normally get the, the other camera shooting something even if it was fairly similar I would, I would sometimes just say you know just just get on that but just stay on that person's face yes so or the hands or follow something exactly yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or be on the ground when they fall to the ground or something like that yeah. so you get lots of little cutaways are very helpful um but primarily we would essentially push through each piece and and a very important right. thing, again, I don't know how many people understand this. When you're doing a fight sequence, one of the things you should avoid doing at all costs is shooting just coverage of a fight, like making your people do, like making your actors do the fight for two minutes and then do it again from another camera angle and do it from another camera angle. It's important to understand the, the material you need and then sort of fire and forget, if I can say it that way. So nail that piece, move on. Get a safety if you need to, but move on. Nail that piece, let them forget it, move on. It's a much mm -hmm. more efficient way of doing it. But you do need to be, I think you need to understand editing to get that. And I think mm -hmm. you need to understand the ability of to, to overlap as well, overlap movements between the setups. Um, yes. Because sometimes we would shoot out of order simply because of like wow. you say, you don't want to keep changing the lighting around. You want to sort of shoot out one direction if you can. Sometimes. Yeah, so therefore you do the first fight scene and Patch then go into the second fight scene, then mm. turn everything around in terms of light and then go back and do the first and you second. You might do that, yeah. You okay. might have to you might have to kind of piecemeal it. Um mm. if you if you're an editor, dare I say I've edited action for a long time or whatever. You know, yeah, you know, you're very good uh, at it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> just, you are, though. You just, cut all your trailers and everything. It's, it's brilliant. Funny. It's so very talented. But, but there is an understanding of what is required. You you always want a safety. You you can't just rely on it. But 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 I guess what I'm getting at is when you know, when you when you understand frame, when you know that you can play with the frame a little bit too, mm -hmm. you know what you can get away with, you know what you don't need, and you know the things where you go, I have to have this. I, like, I know I need this shot, guys. We, whatever we're doing, there, there were a couple of pickups that we needed to do through, not many, a handful in total of, over the whole shoot. And I would go on occasionally kind of say, you know, I really need that shot of this, like that hand on this. You know, I yes. really need that. And, and the first AD eventually, you know, I mean, he was amazed. Don't get me wrong. He's trying to schedule. Totally. But they're trying to move forward. Again, but you got Absolutely. it in the wide. You got it in the close. No, no, Absolutely. I need the real no, close. I really up. need. The, yeah. yeah. And it was, yeah. Like, we're talking about not even a handful in the end. Totally. And, and that comes from you knowing your edit and knowing how to yeah. edit. I think all directors should yeah. at least have a, a strong basic understanding of editing. Yeah. I think it's so important. You Like I say, yeah. I'm on set and you'll suddenly go, oh, how am I going to get from that scene to the next right. one? Planning all that. I yeah. haven't got a close-up. I can't come to the wider. And you need it. You need it. You can't yeah. rely on old pickups in the two no. years' time. No. 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 Uh, get it no. on the day. I get it while you've got people where you it, can't. Even if it's my hands. I've done this before oh, where I've just put my hands in and gone i'll press it i'll do it i'll get someone else's just hold that because when in an edit you'll never know no one watching it would ever know unless it's no. you know a massive hairy hand no. on a girl or whatever you're not gonna know and even then it's even funny there, even, <laughs> even then i was gonna say but like but even it's, it's also understanding things like you don't know until you get to the edit you don't mm -hmm. know you may be perfectly happy 
You yes. do not know because you don't know what's going to be happening the minute before to the minute after. You don't know when you're going to cut something out. Absolutely don't right. Know. So you need a yeah. few choices. For the sort of safety shots that you mentioned, obviously, yeah, that that method of doing the choreography where you know almost exactly which shot, you're not, you're not just shooting masters of the scene from various angles. So that's sort of a bit mindless when it comes to action. But if you do need to get those safety shots, what what are the sort of, what are your kind of rules of thumb for that? What what things do you like to look out for to, to make sure, okay, that's it, always going to be useful. I'll need that. Yeah, it's things like, Hmm. Okay, so in drama scenes, it'd be like you know, handle a door handle, right? Like, or or, or dare I say, a cut away of a watch if someone's give a time or or oh, pick, like inserts, I, basically. In, yeah. in, in inserts, inserts, but usually yes. So it's it's it, sometimes it's about cutting time out of something, depending on how something flows, or or sometimes it's it's. So yes, time is one thing. Detail is another thing. Sometimes it's about seeing a technique. Uh, without being again being too precious sometimes there's a thing that's you know like an arm lock or something but you just want to see it kind of adds some power to it when you twist an arm for mm. example and you just get that crunch of, of, a, of a joint kind of being manipulated I know it sounds yep. kind of weird but, but that kind of idea and then you cut to the wide for the next like if someone's being thrown over so it's yes. kind of it's kind of almost like for geography and for timing uh, sometimes for detail um, and I think it comes from experience like as in it's as I'm in many ways, it's as you're watching it. So it's kind of, what are you understanding from watching what you're watching on a monitor essentially? Um, and then what do you feel like, like if you're going to move on, if, if you know that you're about to move on to the next piece, you know, cause you want to keep moving, but you're in position and all it basically requires is moving. You might have to swing a lens. Ideally you don't want to do that, but you know, if it's just about getting it really as much closer and say, mm-hmm. what I really want to see is when their hands connect, I just want to get that moment. I just want yes. to get that moment. Can we just grab that? Um, yeah. You try to do it as little as possible. Uh, but if you really feel it's, and I think it's an instinct thing and I think it's an experience thing. And it comes down to storytelling, actually, regardless of so time. It's like watching the performance back and seeing like, what are those kind of key dramatic punctuation moments that you know you're going to want to highlight later in the edit? And it's yeah. Yeah, spotting, yes. learning, learning to spot those basically. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's almost like a punctuation point in some ways. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Sometimes it's as simple as a reaction from someone being hit and then recoiling and then coming back in to do the next moment. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, yeah. it, and it, so I guess what I'm saying is whatever it is, it's, it's story based 
and it's story based relating to how the action is flowing yeah and, I, and I it, it, it totally makes sense and, and your geography was really great in this movie because there was a lot going on a lot of people but yeah. yet i knew where everyone was at any given moment in terms of you're behind a barrel or there's four people behind a wall or Thank they're you. running through there and you you knew the islands were pretty much all spot on i think they were and you know th that geography side of it is so important that filmmakers do forget especially with an action film like this how important that geography is because the audience need to know who's where at what time because if they're confused they go hang on and you don't want the audience ever doing that right? yeah i mean uh, we tend to refer to it, i don't know if you do but uh, spatial relationships i guess mm. uh yep. and for me that i first became aware of that term really in kind of like gunfights in terms of where yes. everybody particularly in multiple locations you know if you're like Sergio well, Leone films exactly but yeah that's Precis great. precisely uh but not just the geography but sort of where everyone is in relationship to each other and again this is still like a conversation if you think about a conversation scene where people are sat around a table if you've got a dining room scene which to me is a nightmare like yeah, just the yeah. idea of doing a dining room scene where do you, like, put <laughs> <laughs> you put the lights and also I don't know about you I've also got in my head so I suppose you do a pass where you keep going round and round the table. yes of course yeah uh, yeah there we go in Grey's Anatomy shot. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. But you know what? I think it's a nightmare. But then you sort of want to get your two shots and then your individual. Like to me, that's like, that's a two days filming to do people having a chat. And it's, yeah. and it's, it's, but, but I guess what I'm relating that to is it's the same with a fight. If you've got in the final fight, you've got like four fights happening at the same time. It's almost five actually sort of happening at the same time. And we yeah. variously intercut between them at different intervals. Right. And what was super important, and here's also where the production design team come in, Paul Burns and his team were amazing. We had that, we were shooting in something called the Hush House in RAF Bentwaters for that final uh, that accuracy. Where the huge tunnel is with Correct. The, uh, behind yeah. it. Yeah. It looks like something out of Event Horizon. Um, and uh, we, uh, we uh, a lot of films, have, a lot of productions have filmed there. And we understood that what we had to do when we looked at it, it's just a big cavernous space. We need to have specific sectors for each fight to be happening. We, we start mm -hmm. off with like a big wide and everyone then splits up, you know, and kind of like into their, into their corners. And it was very much about quadrants in that location. We did actually map it out and not all of them, but there were a couple of those fights where it was like, we simply cannot film in that direction because we will then see there is nothing going on. I wanted to touch on working with um, actors, especially in uh, action comedy like this and really dramatic uh, action like this, especially someone like Vinnie Jones and getting this time, how long you had with him and the time and just working with actors on something like this that people do go, oh, it's an action. We can just, you know, whatever with the acting. I thought the acting was great. I thought some brilliant performances, really Thank fun. You. Thank you. So how do you do that? Did you rehearse? What's what do you do to get that? those performances to the next I wish we'd rehearsed <laughs> I mean, I mean we, we would we would every I mean every I spoke to pretty much every actor I think yeah virtually every actor before the shoot certainly all the yeah. you know primary people and so forth from, uh, the main characters I mean uh, I had a very long chat with Vinny before before he came and shot with us um, I met up with people where I could which wasn't obviously very many but we tried uh, but, but I, I encouraged everyone to ask as many questions as possible I encouraged everybody to talk to each other. Like uh, I know that Sam Benjamin and Phoebe Robertson Gowan did have some conversations. I don't know if they met up at all, but they, I never had some conversation. I believe Katrina did as well. Katrina Durden, mm -hmm. pardon me, did with Phoebe, if I recall. Uh, yeah, and I, that I probably and that 
And what that does, like I say, because then they have that chemistry which comes across massively in the film. They're all brilliant performers yeah. and that shows because you feel they like each other or they've got that history or whatever and it, it does work. Yeah, I was really pleased. I was particularly pleased with Sam and Phoebe. I mean, I was pleased with everybody. Uh, mm. I, I think but yeah, Sam and Phoebe obviously worked very hard on having that kind of instant chemistry that they've already been working together and kind of, you know, muck about and so forth, but still are yeah. proper. Well, it was really important to me that the, the team's regardless of it being funny here and there, they were still supposed to be good at their jobs, if that makes sense. I totally get that, yeah. I don't like films. I really have a problem with films where people are bad at their jobs. You know, they're a professional team of burglars. And then they yeah. just, they just, and one I'm, of them's I'm, useless. Right, yeah, falls right. down, if makes a noise. Don't get me wrong. If it's part of the story, that's fine. If you're bringing on an onja as someone who's new and doesn't know, fine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of the story. But if you're setting them up as this pro team of whatever, and at least one, if not more, are just bungling and it's not a comedy it's not point the point i've yes. i've seen a number of films like that and you just go what what so that was important to us um and what about someone working with vinnie then someone yes, like that yes. who's this you know essentially your star uh, obviously we love Stu bennett a lot and he's your really your the star of the movie but vinnie's the name uh of you know signing the movie so how was it working when he came on on set because was, how was the vibe with working with someone like him especially in action where you do you know, he's got to properly do the punches and he's got to get stuck in. What was that? I and mean, was it a great feeling for you as well to be working with a Hollywood actor like him? He just brought with him a wealth of experience. It was funny. Just before he came to us, he was working on Arrow, uh, the TV show, which I love. Ah, uh, and he was actually right. working with one of Stu's close friends. I believe his name is Cody Rhodes in the episodes. Right. Um, and so when he when they were talking, they got on really well. Um, and when they were talking, apparently he said, oh, I'm going on to do this thing. And it's this guy, Stu Bennett. So I don't know the whole story but but apparently cody really spoke well of Stu, and that was really helpful obviously uh sincerely mm-hmm. you know uh and then Vinny came and joined us and, and found what cody said to be true about Stu. he's wonderful to work with very humble and, and very modest uh but also very talented and capable and so i think they got on really well. and obviously they have essentially sports careers you know that they can kind of relate to uh, and if i remember also i think Stu was quite a big Vinny fan given you know given here the fact that he was obviously uh, a british guy not you know but based in america now so um so yeah no working with video was great in fact one of my favorite things on while shooting i'm vengeance retaliation was watching video in takes where he would do take one we, we, we would do take one uh, which was great absolutely fine where we would reset to do a second take you could see that he was kind of thinking about how everyone else had been within the scene and then he would give like if you like a, a modified version in take two and i don't mean he would change anything wildly but he would perhaps i don't know focus on another particular character in the scene a bit more or whatever or give specific looks specific reactions and so to me seeing that process was fascinating uh and then take three you know we, we you know usually do about two or three takes most of most of the time again he'd make another adjustment not so obvious necessarily and i just i just found that fascinating i found that as a filmmaker and again looking for the story points if you like I found that great. It showed he was actually considering what was going on in the scene. He wasn't just there to, to just you know say it and, and go on. He really was thinking about it and kind of interacting. Same goes with the action. He, um, you know, he was doubled here and there, obviously. A great stunt guy, mm-hmm. Aaron Street, based in Brighton, my, yeah, my hometown. Yeah, he looked just like him. It was great. It's great. Fan. Perfect. He's a lovely person to work with as well. Did great. Um, but when Vinny was doing his, you know, his, his own action, uh, he did what I, I call throwing with intent. Like if he throws a punch, it looks like he's trying to kill you. 
which is nice because because acting is required in fight scenes you know what i mean i think some people tell, dismiss, yeah. i think some people dismiss it it's that you've got to have emotion in there you're telling a story um yeah and he it's a hard skill yeah and he picks up that choreo very straight very straightforwardly nailed it we moved on it was great that that was really oh that's great yeah re- and again yeah. rewarding straightforward dealt with it had good humor you know uh and yeah no it was fantastic for, and again for me as someone hopefully slowly rising up as a filmmaker um and, and trying to grow you know um working with someone like him was invaluable for me yeah absolutely and really well done um if, is there any tips and tricks uh, i know we've talked loads but is there anything that you've learned for anyone coming up now first time or whatever because let's say you're making your first film um left for dead and, and where you are now and your journey is there anything you could give advice wise to uh someone trying to make their first film or their second film at the moment from your perspective i mean some of this again maybe we've already covered but think about your audience um mm-hmm. think about the market like like do some research see what's out there uh, if you're if you're very specific, if you if you are very intent on making a specific type of film, whether it's art house, drop, whatever the, whatever the type of film, have a look at the similar types of films, see where they are, see where they've gone, see who represents them, see who's you know see who's putting out financially the films mm-hmm. that you, the film that you want to make. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean you'll necessarily be involved with those people, but but have a look at how they're being marketed. And be realistic about what you are doing. Like, 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 be realistic about why are you making a film? Who is it for? You know, don't don't fall under that spell of everyone's going to love my movie. Like, why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I want, you know, I want every film to succeed. Quite honestly, but you know, you do watch things and you go, I, what what's it for? Like, who who is it for? And if you can't answer that, just think again. <laughs> like, like, just think again. It's 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 a business proposition. Sorry, I probably sound like a bit of a machine, but it's... But it's so important. I no, totally agree just, with these you. These are the things people need to know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, you can't be naive about, about that aspect of the industry yeah. at all. And speak to people. People, you know, look, you might have to try a number of times. People will speak to you. And in fact, if you're able to engage someone, like, like they're like a sales agent or distributor or whatever, early, they will... You don't, And you don't have to agree with everything everyone says, but they will mm-hmm. say to you, listen, before you do this think about yeah. think about this think about that if you're in a position to because it's this is rare if you're in a position to to spend money on say cost like actual cost um mm-hmm. sales agents and distributors will be able to advise you on what's genuinely worth spending money on and that sounds terrible and again mechanical but it's amazing how many people say well we've got so and so from game of thrones well, everybody's got a game of thrones actor so when you when i think when people present their films to a sales agent and they present it in a way that's like, aren't you lucky to be looking at my film that has this actor in? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you should be confident. Don't get me wrong. Be confident and be positive. But sometimes that stuff comes across as, okay. <laughs> you know, like from our perspective, it's like, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So either you need a name that actually can sell, which mm-hmm. is tough in this mm-hmm. industry we're in at the moment, or don't bother, you know, just have some up and comers but, and but then be, save your money from. But be, but be strong with your shot. Like whatever your choices are, um, like whatever your, uh, however you present your film, if you're going for, and I know, look, this is the obvious one, horror, whatever you want to call it, or action or thriller, whatever it is, make sure your film is that. Like make sure it is representative. You can do what you want with it, subvert, the expectations and everything of course mm-hmm. but really make sure you're feel- like for example we've been sent films 
This is going to sound terrible. We've been sent films that, that say we're a sci- sci-fi movie. And we go, yeah. okay, great. Sci-fi's good. And it's a sci-fi because it's got a talking computer in it. Right. Go, eh, it's not sci-fi. Yeah, it's not a, really. what would you call that then? A drama with a computer? Well, like, 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 well, like a, her rip, a her rip-off or whatever. You know, you kind of go... Right, yeah, okay. Uh, Near future kind of. Yeah. Near future. The new genre we've yeah. set up. But it's difficult because... Black Mirror, but, is that a genre? Yeah, <laughs> well, black Mirror genre. Well, but you know what, though? If you say you have like a Black Mirror-ish... Yeah, and, that and itself it, is a genre. And it has, we, we joke, but... Right, but if, it has, <laughs> but if it has that, I'll give you a really good example. I don't know if you guys have ever seen, uh, there's a, a Hulu show called Into the Dark, which is essentially a feature. Yes. It's a feature every... It was a fe- I, think it's still go- I think season two is still going on. And it's a feature. It's Blumhouse, which is great. And every one of them, season one, barring a couple, they're not supernatural. There's the cu- There are a couple that have supernatural elements, but they're mostly what I would call thrillers, essentially. Mm. Uh, edgy, you know, and sometimes nasty or whatever. Not very gory, a few moments here and there. But they work as thrillers. They're, they're all like 82 minutes. They're tight. They have, I would say, pretty good actors. They they're not necessarily movie actors, but they are, you know, solid choices, really efficiently made. And a bunch of them, I'm like, I could just go and shoot one of these with my mates, like good, you know, talented yeah. friends, and probably sell it. Probably right. with the right, ele- you know, you probably want to go a bit darker and a bit more obviously horror, whatever. Yeah, decent poster, decent trailer. Yeah, yeah, absolute, it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Most of them are like one. Lo- most of it, they work very well within them. Yeah, they're one location primarily, three or four mm-hmm. actors, sometimes a few more, but it's very tight. And I'll be honest, as someone who's trying to make more projects, I've often thought. You know, if I was doing a one location movie and my brain goes, I'm not interested, but actually I should be. I, sh- yeah. I should be. You know, these are really yep. good examples of films where you go, you could do that and set and be commercially exciting. Amazing advice. Uh, thank you, Ross, so much for your time. This has been brilliant. Where can people find you? Where can they follow you on your socials? Oh my goodness. Well, I, my address is... Wait, no. Uh, on, oh, address. I can see your kitchen. Is that a microwave behind you? Yeah, yeah so. it's a microwave. <laughs> Those green things are amazing, by the way. They're fantastic for you. It's getting weird. Um, so, right. Green thing. Those green things. Uh, the social media thing. So for me personally, uh, I'm... Please. At Ross Boyask on all the social things. Uh, if you'd like to follow Evolutionary Films, we are at Evo Films UK. Uh, and to remind people, again, production company, sales agent, and UK distributor, we are always looking for products that work, you know, in various mm-hmm. stages, uh, putting it out there to the filmmakers. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Perfect yeah. example, everyone. There it is. Uh, Evo Films, you can find them online. Yeah. The link will be in the show notes Excellent. to them. And then just to follow, if you wish to follow the, the antics of the Vengeance franchise, it's at Vengeance Film UK. UK. I wish we'd found a better title now, but at, at the, at the, it was originally called Vengeance, guys. So yeah, it's not your fault. At Vengeance Film UK on all of the things in you know Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, etc. Uh, and we'd love to hear from people. You know, it's great to be connected to filmmakers and fans and yeah, action people or whatever. You know, it's lovely to talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it's yes. it's all coming out. Both of us are in the race on July thirty. It's like it's like the election. Great. It's like- and it's similar. Very, very similar. <laughs> What's great is that we're coming at a time where it's still sort of locked down, so people are still looking to watch and buy things. So it's good for us. It's good timing. And hey, it's not a competition. We're just glad that our films are out there, in my opinion. Um, oh, that's because. I want to win! <laughs> Yeah, way. one tweet from Vinny and you won. <laughs> oh, you, know, you, you, you never know. No, but I really want to. I really want to. I really want to watch us. I'm really excited. 
I'm really, I, I'm you. such a fan of that of this of that genre, if you like, or subgenre, Arthur, like Arthur Merlin, Camelot, all of that. I'm really excited. Good. Really excited. Well, I hope you enjoy it, and yeah. I look forward to buying it so that we go uh, ahead of you in the charts. No, I'm oh, joking. No. It's, 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 oh, no. I'm like, oh, what have I done? What have I done? Uh, Robbie, a documentary here. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah. This is this is where this is where the war began. Totally, yeah. yeah. Netflix, Amazon. Which one? <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Is it. Vengeance, Arthur. Which one? Um, Robbie, where can people follow you? It's just at Robbie McCain, Twitter, you know, Instagram, the whole, the whole shebang. <laughs> so enthusiastic right there. Well, I'm following you. I'm going to follow you now. Hang on. Well, Ross is doing that. Uh, you can follow me at Giles Alderson. You can follow the podcast at Filmmakers Pod. If you do want to be on, you do want to get in touch, email us uh, thefilmmakerspodcast at gmail.com. Com. Like I say, next week we have uh, the fantastic cast and crew from Arthur and Merlin. We're going to do a whole How We Made It, I imagine. I don't know. I haven't recorded it yet. It should be so much fun. Uh, so that'll be next week. So do join us for that. And remember, you can go out there and make your indie film. As Ross says, remember who your audience is and go and make it. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do it, it is your duty to send that elevator back down. Uh, Ross, you're amazing. Uh, mention your podcast as well for everyone because it's oh, a cool thank podcast you. as well. So it's a slightly different. By the way, I am following you now robbie so beware uh <laughs> no uh, so live following so i i uh, i co-host if you like a podcast with uh, my very long time friend and first producer in fact uh phil hobden who produced uh, left the dead mm-hmm. and ten dead men uh before wisely yeah. doing a, a real life <laughs> so, a real who's a wonderful place family's wonderful as well um but we it's called ross <laughs> it's called ross and phil talk movies uh i think it is literally and at ross and phil talk movies i should be able to be a better promoter of the podcast but you, you can find it quite easily and it is it should literally be called ross and phil talk shit about movies because the whole reason it came up we'd done podcasts variously before there was a thing we did called film exploitation which was a lot of fun uh but it came about because we were like we would have these just you know hour and a half or whatever long ranting phone calls about films basically so you thought, thought why not make it a podcast why not just why inflict not? it on everybody else um, it's so much fun it is do if you if you like that kind of stuff you like p- listening to people who love movies talk about movies uh phil and ross is a definite oh, one to to listen to a link to that will be in the artwork is uh, of an 18 certificate which is yeah i was gonna say <laughs> I, could, I could already see there's an episode on danny trejo so, right yeah. so yeah what I, um, <laughs> phil, me up. I believe phil interviewed danny a while ago it's fun and and um enjoy <laughs> yeah there we go yeah enjoy oh. <laughs> so uh so um oh and by the way the make your film event uh, i have obviously oh. provided this as much possible it's this thursday uh, the 9th of july amazing guests come along it's online it's a couple of quid and that all goes to the film and tv covid really fun charity so come along and learn and ask questions with the amazing hollywood producers todd garner and some bafta winners called niasa hardiman and dara resnick showrunner it's going to be ace come join us it's the fourth one in this hopefully we're all back face to face soon but for now that is the make your film event so as promised uh we're doing the shout outs now at the end of the show. So here they are, all these wonderful people uh, who have been so lovely as to send us messages or tweets. This is just a handful. I can't give it to everyone. These are special people. Are you a special person? Then shout us out on Twitter. Give us some love and say how much you like this podcast. Share and subscribe to us. And why not give us a five star review on iTunes while you're there? Um, shout outs go to Christopher Hughes, Chloe Producer, Dom Gilday. Dave at Low Light Pictures, Vanessa Bailey uh, for completing 
her Kickstarter campaign um, for her film Small Talk. A massive congratulations to you, Alex Martin from Big Bang Films, Kevin Halden from the 365 Flicks podcast, which I will be appearing on his wonderful podcast very soon. If you're not listening to his podcast, then do. Um, Andy Fosbury, he's a composer and a wonderful one at that. And Mark Coleman who was inspired enough to send us a wonderful email explaining how much this podcast had inspired him to go out and make his indie film for whatever he could do it. So good luck, Mark, and let us know how you get on. That's this week's shout-outs. Uh, Ross, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time been, and talking to us. Guys, you've been so good. It's been so nice to see you face I know we were trying to do it in person, really. But yes, it's lovely, lovely to see you face-to-face regardless. Welcome to my kitchen. Uh, thank you I Am Vengeance Retaliation is out on July the 13th do support this brilliant action film and go out and watch it um, Ross is an amazing guy and get in touch with Evolutionary Films you, they might have, you might have a film they want to make sure. what more do you want from this podcast than that uh, Robbie thank you thank you Ross thank you, um, thank you take care us. everyone next Tuesday it's the King Arthur special oh, see you then can't everyone. wait for that I'm really excited about it <laughs> see you everyone Bye-bye. bye bye bye